Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Support WrestleTalk. Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. And this is Rich Swan, Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever Wrestle Talk is, and whoever Luke Owen is, both the Ravens. Nevermore. Wrestle Talk. And this is the genius of Bray Wyatt. I am Luke Cohen. This is Adam the Blompier, and welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast review of WrestleMania 36 Night Two. So, yeah, WrestleMania 36 Night Two, the semi-main event or the semi-main event because I'm British, um, was in fact the Firefly Funhouse match between John Cena and Bray Wyatt, and boy howdy i mean obviously luke is talking about the fireflies funhouse match as the most significant thing happening in uh, in night two but i will point out that this is on the same show that did feature a team bad reunion so maybe just <laughs> could we could we have a hierarchy like please yeah you're absolutely right this did have that team bad reunion which uh was of course you know a uh, masterful bit of storytelling um unity i i <laughs> Uh, I loved it. It was my. F- I, I, I st- I've seen it. I've rewatched it twice since, um, and it hasn't dampened my feeling that it might be my favorite. Uh, I want to qualify it. Maybe not match because it isn't really. But I think it's my favorite WrestleMania moment of all time. For, mm-hmm. for like, wow. Well, it's everything. Like people who have kind of probably familiar with my work know that I like very high concept but very kind of tightly narratively focused well-performed uh melodrama i like the lore of wrestling i like its canon i like its deep stretched mythology i like the idea of these guys as gods rather than men um all of that kind of coalesced into yeah i just it was it was everything to me luke i loved it (laughs) it was brilliantly performed by both men it was a laser focused dissection of john cena uh biggest gift i think john cena can give uh bray wyatt uh chock full of references which we'll get into um uh beautifully funny uh, actually kind of like tense and scary in places i know uh some people thought it was a bit too silly but i thought uh what more perfect way to uh not only have a victory over John Cena, but a unique character-based 
victory. Like this is so much more, this does so much more for The Fiend than a match would have. And, and it, it completely like reestablishes The Fiend as well. Like a lot of people said that there was a lot of, you know, people were very much down in him after Hell in a Cell. Like that sort of killed a lot of his momentum. You know, he got some of that heat back when he picked up the Universal title, but then he just lost to Goldberg. And I think a lot of people were sort of very much down on the fiend. And this really goes to show that just one segment, just, you know, one cool feud and one great match, it's completely turned people around again on the fiend. Everyone is salvageable. I think it, it, it get, I the only thing that I kind of get even slightly worried about with it is that I do think it maybe further cements the fiend as a character, not necessarily a wrestler, which is fine like if he does these matches forever i'm i'm completely okay with that but wwe seems to now have a divide in the company of who is like a really exciting wrestler and who is a really exciting character um mm -hmm. because on like mo most often it seems like the fiend's matches get in the way of his aura and it's exactly the same thing with the undertaker as well like seeing him live ruins not ruins, but it's a lot less effective than when he is in a carefully, hermetically controlled environment. And yeah, like these are movie characters. Uh, and that is kind of what is them at their finest. Like, I don't necessarily know if I want to see a Fiend match after this, but I want to see more of the Fiend. Well, that's it, isn't it? Because one of the big criticisms of the Fiend, really since Hell in a Cell has been, that people haven't liked his matches. They love the Firefly Funhouse promos. They love all of the sort of the lore and, you know, the, everything sort of around the character, but his matches have never connected. And that's because, you know, they effectively booked themselves into a corner, which is he's this unstoppable monster and you know, Seth Rollins can do 36 whatever curb stomps and, and still not be able to pin him, which makes the matches not that interesting to watch. But yet when you put him into this sort of scenario, people really, really dig it. And it was it's funny, really, because, you know, yesterday's WrestleTalk uh, podcast we did on Mania Night 1 was, was the Boneyard match actually good? Because people very much enjoyed it, but I think a lot of people enjoyed it from a sort of certain ironic perspective, which was like, it was silly, goofy nonsense, you know, it was uh, a bit of fun. Whereas this was actual genius. Mm -hmm. This was actually a brilliant bit of just movie magic just sort of really put together it was all based on character it was all based on the history of these two and it really it was the greatest retcon of wrestlemania 30 i've ever seen mm. yeah absolutely i it 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 almost makes you kind of it almost reinstalls faith in wwe being just like their failures can be turned into successes so maybe like any, yeah, like I said, every, even the worst possible idea can be a key part of a greater overarching story. That's why, you know, the, the biggest thing that WWE has in its favor and it has always had in its favor is its history. WWE, is, is, its characters are so unique because they've gone through so much stuff. And if they always, if they use the past stuff to forge new stories and every story is going to feel kind of fresh and unique and and there's going to be and every dynamic will be slightly different because these characters are steeped in so much history, which is why it's so frustrating when they just kind of like do something like a do over, which is like, I think like compare like the Braun Strowman, like once again, like it's it was quite a mirror mania because you have uh, the Firefly Funhouse and the Boneyard and then you mm -hmm. had Drew McIntyre and you had Braun Strowman. Um, 
Braun Strowman's uh, story coming out of nowhere, no real context behind it. Like uh, they didn't even try to kind of work some sort of like, oh, the history of Braun and Roman, you know, like Braun's going to prove to Roman that he's something, something, something. Um, history of Braun, like kind of losing it in big matches. There's no history there. I mean, I, I get it. They didn't have time, but like they, there's, there's a, a vignette they could have made. Um, whereas you compare that to like Drew McIntyre, like his, his, squash match is essentially the same number of moves but meaning so much more because of the they really kind of like Bray Wyatt they took hold of his failures and used those to make his triumph an even bigger story than if they just had him triumph in the first place um WWE kind of booking themselves into a corner and then exploding out of it I <laughs> it, it's <laughs> You almost don't want them to get away with it, but Christ, oh, night two uh, has honestly turned this into genuinely a top 10 WrestleMania for me. Yeah, you said that before we came on air that you think this might be one of your favorite WrestleManias of all time. And that is, it's, you know, a high, high bar mm. and like a really big claim. But you know what? When you kind of look back on it, particularly when you have both nights as a whole, I kind of... I, I do agree with you. And I think part of that really is helped by the fact that it was split over two nights. So they were just two three-hour shows as opposed to one seven-hour show. Oh, yeah. And that I think that helped massively. Really, really did. Because like that, the, the Edge-Randy Orton match which was super, super long, you know, mm. 36 minutes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was long. We'll get to that. But, you know, that would have felt even longer on a seven-hour show. But on a three-hour show, it just felt long. And then it's also helped because you had it broken up because you not just had, you know, the wrestling in the ring. You also had things like the Boneyard match and you had the Firefly Funhouse match, which was just... We kind of said it was this was just for insiders. Like someone messaged us yesterday during the live stream uh, during the live stream we did saying, "I don't know how a casual fan would respond to this." And I was like, "To be honest, it's not for the casual fans." Yeah, no, it's not. Um, <laughs> like the, we've seen the casual fans dropping off because they don't care about empty arena wrestling. Uh, so let's just. I, I think that's well why it's such a high mania for me. Like now, I, maybe in time, it will, I'll look back on it and be just like, "Oh, this is actually." Oh, that that Becky Lynch match really was a shame. Or oh, I mean, it did have Elias and Corbin on it, and blah blah. blah. You know, like every great mess of mania has a, a duff match or two. But I think it's it's coming out of it and just like what it could have been, and the state of the world, and how everyone's feeling right now, and everyone's really stressed and anxious, and could really do with some escapism. And when WWE offers something that is so kind of ma- taking taking chicken and making chicken salad and as as stone cold would say like it, it it's such a huge cathartic relief to be able to be excited about wrestling at this time when it seems like it's impossible to be excited about wrestling that maybe there's some sort of high emotion that i'm riding right now but yeah like i oh, i'm so so thankful for being able to watch it and yeah like being able to kind of talk about it online and see people getting really excited and no one you know seeing twitter being turned into a oh wrestling is great uh haven for once for a brief yeah. moment in this in this timeline where twitter right now is it's most horrific it was such a good moment and everything is kind of riding on such a high that you even dropped a swear in a uh, wrestle talk video which is a big no-no oh no (laughs) i keep doing it i'm so sorry (laughs) naughty boy hopefully i can remember to do to edit that in the podcast because that could also get us in trouble there um Mm, sorry (laughs) 
uh, it's fine. Um, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Like this was this wasn't a split opinion thing. Certainly not like the Boneyard match or you know some of the other things we've had over this WrestleMania. This was very much just like no, I absolutely loved that. I've seen a couple of people be like, no, I didn't get it, which I think is fine. It's to each their own. But I would say this was a universally praised segment. Uh, let's run through some of our sort of favorite references and moments in there. Um, so we had uh, Cena going into the Firefly Funhouse, which, you know, Bray had written on the door. It was abandon hope, ye who exit here, uh, rather than ye who enter here. Yeah. Uh, we had the whole uh, SmackDown debut with Wyatt doing the angle promo and Cena coming out in his original gear. Uh, and talking about how like it was one of his big failures because his debut didn't work and it nearly got him fired. You know, yeah. like his sort of debut first couple of months run, he was just doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, which he was doing in this match where he was just swinging that fist over and over again, just saying ruthless aggression and constantly failing. Yeah, it's so good. I, I, I love him entering to some really rubbish rock. <laughs> just to clarify, that wasn't Metallica, was it? That was not Metallica. You have to time, tell though. me if it was. <laughs> I can confirm this time it was not Metallica. Excellent. Yeah. Um, that was really good. We had a reference to Nikki Bella in terms of sort of, you know, the uh, other failures. And then we go, we jumped to Saturday night's main event with Bray Wyatt in front of the big blue cage, introducing Cena and talking about how like the, the sort of what was once described as the muscle and hyperbole of the World Wrestling Federation. I love talking it. about how it's it the, literally the cage like. And I, I don't want to get too kind of uh, pretentious about it, but literally they were trapped in a cage of outmoded <laughs> masculinity. Like that's yeah. that's literally what it was. Johnny Large Meat. It was like funny and actually a devastating point to play. Like it doesn't matter what little talent you've got. Look at their muscles and Cena, <laughs> Cena's body breaking down as he flexes too much. Like that's, it's some actually really dark, sad stuff in, oh, yeah. in that segment. Oh, I loved it. It was funny, actually. We were doing the WrestleMania 26 uh, WrestleTalk Extra podcast review for Patreon, and they that was the year where Ted DiBiase went into the Hall of Fame. And the only reason he was like the headlining Hall of Fame is because the Ultimate Warrior said no. And Ted DiBiase's big induction speech was it is that you don't have to be the best worker in wrestling to make it in WWE. You just have to be dependable. And I was like, that's a damning indictment of the World Wrestling Federation. I'll be yeah. honest with you. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Like in the 80s, it wasn't about who was the best wrestler. It was who had the best fantasy muscles. And that's why Vince really liked Cena is because he had really good vanity muscles. Yeah. Still does. I mean, when he came out in those tiny shorts, it's just like, damn, he hasn't aged in 20 years. Um, so then we got into Thugonomics, John Cena, where he can only talk in rhymes, and he sort of makes references to Husky Harris and saying that White blew all of his chances. And then Bray White cut this fabulous promo, which was so full of emotion, where it's like, how dare you talk to me about chances? Exposing the Thugonomics gimmick for being like, all you have done your entire career is be a bully, and you have made fun of people, you have belittled people, you're a bad person. Like, he actually said, you're a horrible person. Yeah, gave him a chance to be better. He gave him a chance, and then Cena just ended with the traditional, these nuts. Yeah. Oh, amazing, amazing stuff. Then we uh, got old Bray Wyatt, so like back into the cult leader gimmick. Oh, did you get uh, the a... did you get the chain reference? Uh, the chain reference. So did he, I miss the chain? So he wraps the chain around his wrist mm. and hits Cena with it. That is yeah. a reference to the first time John Cena lost uh, a championship because Carlito did it. Carlito oh. wrapped it thing in. That's his first. That's Cena's first major championship loss. 
in WWE. Well, there you go. Isn't Look it? at Adam bringing the knowledge. <laughs> and the swears. <laughs> I've got a potty mouth and a potty brain. Uh, so then we get the the cult leader Bray again, sort of in the rocking chair. We even get to see Sister Abigail uh, for a brief moment in time, uh, talking about WrestleMania 30 and offers him the chance to rewrite history the way that it should have been. And he talks about how the people wanted me. The people didn't want you. But you claim to be a man of the people and you just never listened to them. Mm. And yeah, because Cena beat him at WrestleMania 30, which was not the right call. The right call would have been to put Bray Wyatt over. And this was Wyatt's chance to rewrite that history. And he offers Cena the chair to, to hit him with it. And this time, Cena swung the chair. Yeah. Cena, this is a, this is a heel. Well, I mean, obviously, it's like it's a, a, a hypothetical, but that's the heel turn. And that then, is, yeah. And, it, yeah and, and just morphing into the NWO, the biggest face in the history of the business, turning heel. Um, and, you know, I, I was struggling to kind of see like what's so what's Bray's because uh, we we I we all like look at this promo as this is written by Bray White. I'm sure mm. there's a collaboration with him and Cena, but you know we see this as an extension of Bray White's brain. What is Bray White's take on the NWO from from watching that? Does he think that Cena wouldn't have looked cool no matter what because he comes out doing the air guitar and looks like you know? Uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of not a swear, but he looks like an idiot. Um, or does he think that, the, you know, this is the heel turn, obviously Hogan's heel turn, hugely successful. Is that the thing that John Cena should have done? I actually can't quite work it out because Cena comes out and acts like a, you know, like an, an idiot. Um, but also maybe it could have been great. I'm not sure. What do you think? Well, so I read it as very much like, you know, this was it was Hollywood Hogan. And Cena is now Hollywood Cena. He is. Oh, you, know, you could oh, make yes. the argument that you know, he has turned his back on the wrestling world in the same way that Hogan sort of did when he left to go be a Hollywood star, then came back, you know, and, and then did the big mega heel turn for a Bash of the Beach. And as you said, that kind of like completely rejuvenated his career. I'm wondering if this was Bray Wyatt suggesting that if you'd have done it, you could have been NWO Hogan had you turned heel. And you know, he's in there as as Easy E. Easy E was effectively the the Vince McMahon of WCW, and Easy E and Hogan were best mates, and Hogan was on top forever because he was mates with Easy E. Mm. And so I wonder if there's like some sort of connections with all of that in there. But the key to it is is that Cena effectively rejected it straight away because he came in, they did the two sweet. And then he started to beat up Bray Wyatt. It was like, like I, I'm not going to do this heel turn. I'm not going to be this Hollywood sellout. I'm not going to be Hollywood Hogan. And when he's beating him up, when he's punching Bray Wyatt, and you've got Vince McMahon doing the keep your, keep your hands up, which is apparently uh, something that he always tells his wrestlers. He, you know, he's, Kevin Owens said on Talk Is Jericho that, Kevin, uh, that Vince McMahon has said, if you're in a fight, you'd get your hands up if someone was trying to punch you. You wouldn't just stick your chin out for a, for a punch. So there's a, a nice little sort of deep cut references in there. And then you've got like Abby and Mercy saying like, stop hitting him. You're going to really upset him. Mm. And I love the fact that what it turns into is he wasn't punching Bray. He was punching Husky Harris or the Husky Harris um, sort of, you know, metaphor in all of this, which is Huskers the pig boy. And it was just more of that. You were beating down people because you, you know, you gave them sort of like not weight complexes, but you used their weight against them to make them feel bad. And stopping them when they're in their development stage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, completely. 
And then that gave rise to the Fiend, who then completely took him out with the mandible claw, hit the sister Abigail, and Bray Wyatt, in his sort of Mr. Rogers form, counted the pin. It was something that will be talked about for years and years and years to come. Yeah. Um, I think like in the sort of the coming days, we're going to hear so much about this. There's going to be so much written about it. And I'm super excited to, to read about this. Like, you know, really much to like our Discord chat has been nothing but talk of this match. Like Pete's just been messaging me saying like how awesome it was. Our editor, Rich, has been messaging me talking about how awesome it was. Yeah. Um, it's just, it was an incredible bit of, of cinema. It was. Um, I, like the thing is, it, WWE, like say, we, we say it a lot, they tell movies, uh, this is the best movie they've ever made. For sure. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's know, better than See No Evil. <laughs> <laughs> this summer, evil gets raw. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I thought it was uh, perfect, really. And now I want nothing more in, in, in this world than at WrestleMania 37 to be headlined by a Firefly Boneyard match. Ta- well, Taker versus The Fiend, Firefly Boneyard, give it to me. You could make the argument that Taker shouldn't have beat Bray either, so... He's just going to go through all of them, ticking them all (laughs) off. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
Uh, Jobber JJ said, Firefly Funhouse was such good S-word. How is Bray wasted? Fair play to Cena for getting along and getting squashed. WCW Nitro and WrestleMania. Last man standing was good, but too long. Uh, a lot of feel-good babyface wins. Uh, apparently that was a call by Vince, is that he wanted to have a lot of sort of babyfaces going over on the show to give it a sort of like, you know, take people's minds off of what's currently going on. Yeah. I mean, that's like his um, reaction to... Do you remember Kurt Angle randomly winning the WWF Championship in 2001, immediately after 9-11? Mm, but he's just like, yeah, um, yeah Vince has a, a very strong kind of feeling like, what you know, the world needs this right now. Uh, and that's why he kind of, kind of gives them stuff like this. Like WWE always kind of tends to kind of, you know, emerge out of a crisis with kind of like, <laughs> come on, we're all together in this, which is so... It's so weird for like considering like how toxic the community can be around WWE so often that yeah, yeah. they they really they really do like when when the world is hurting they really try and kind of give us what we want. <laughs> <laughs> give me what I, give me what I want. Uh, Matthew Muldoon has actually pointed out something that I think I'd certainly missed. I don't know about you, but he said everyone seems to have missed the significance of Cena wearing New York's Yan- uh, New York Yankees gear during the Thugonomics thing. It's a callback to the CM Punk promo. Oh. You've become what you hate. You're the New York Yankees. Bam. Yeah, he is the franchise. Excellent. I miss that. That's a very good one. Uh, and that's one of the things I, I love about this match. Um, I certainly wouldn't put it as like everyone has seemed to miss, but it's just that like it's the more you watch it, the more things you pick up on. Yeah. And it's it, I, I said to you before we came on air, it reminds me of you know one of my favorite movies of all time, Hot Fuzz, a movie that every time I watch it, I always spot something new. Somehow, you know, I've watched that movie 50,000 times, and yet every single time I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's something interesting that I didn't spot previously. Yeah, but like, um, like Hot Fuzz as well, like the references don't overpower it. Like, you're not, you're not, you don't feel like you're, obviously, you know that you're getting a lot of references, but there's a very clear through line, you know, that mm. Cena just can't, Cena can't beat himself. He can't do what's best for his own character. He can't stop being this kind of crazy corporate image and he yeah. can't stop going back to his old failures over and over again um oh, i just love i can't i, I, I can't <laughs> keep keep super chatting i'm I'll, I'll talk for another 50 minutes uh chris blasted if the fiend was uh the fiend had kept the title do you think this would have been a much bigger match for him also when was the last time wwe put on a tv 14 show in the pg era in total mania i, I give mania 7 out of 10 was this tv 14 i mean it had a swear in it I suppose it did have a swear, didn't it? Such good S. Yeah. Plus, of course, bitch. Uh, they did say bitch a lot. <laughs> yeah, but um, Kevin Owens also said um, the S word on Raw, which I believe is also... Um, oh, yeah. So would have been rated PG. Uh, I think it's just, you know, they are getting a bit more edgy, maybe. Uh, Canamil Probabil. I was legit jumping, laughing, rolling around IRL during the Funhouse match. Wrestling hasn't got such reactions from me in ages. 10 out of 10. Mark Flay said, good to see Adam works for WWE. Now as WrestleTalk, Firefly Funhouse was amazing and I disliked the Taker match. Yeah, a lot of people said that you called the Firefly Funhouse match. I, I mean, they, it was so much better than what I put in my booking. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like, so... Um... Yeah, it was like going back to Cena's stuff, like teleporting Cena around, changing Cena's costume, reverting him to old versions of himself. So that element was in there, sure. But this is so much more of an essay, uh, like a, so mm. much more of a multi-layered and so and so much better for Bray Wyatt, like in terms of actually making a point rather than just beating up Cena in his, you know, rather than just beating up the three faces of John Cena, just like destroying him as an idea. Yeah, <laughs> I think, yeah though, uh, 
No, Bray did it better. Uh, Peter Mullen said, uh, Adam, how does it uh, how does it feel to be owed royalties by Bray? Incredible prediction video that I'm pretty sure they just said bin ours. This one's much better. I think it's... I, I mean, I'll take it in copies of Doom Eternal, to be honest. <laughs> um, you're going to be swimming in those things. People just keep giving you their copies of it. Please. They keep winning Quizzlemania. Please, I want it. <laughs> uh, Zach Barati said, uh, what if... Uh, what if John and Bray... Fo- Sorry, what if we're... What if where John and Bray fought is the fun house? Oh, I'm not sure. Or what or where? I'm not sure what you're trying to say there, Zach. Uh, but I've seen a few people that sort of ask ask where this match really took place because was this in the fun house? Was this in Bray's mind? Was it in John's mind? Where really was this match? I thought it was in John's mind. I thought it was John's mind. Um, uh, and lastly, we'll do this one from Magnus because we've got quite a lot of messages about this. Uh, one, uh, lastly, from Magnus, who says, not the biggest fan of Taker AJ, but loved Bray Cena. Yeah. So there you go. Um, uh, yeah, I think it was pretty much universally praised. But let's go into the show itself. It opened with something that wasn't overly praised, which was Natalia versus Liv Morgan on the pre-show. I've got two notes. Liv wins. It was a match. <laughs> I think I've got uh, Liv beat Natalia in a painfully quiet match. I'm not sure <laughs> if Byron Saxton was in the toilet or his mic didn't work, but it was Tom Phillips by himself, which was a terrible idea because Tom Phillips oh, yeah. just stopped talking for almost like... 20 seconds at a time and neither Liv or Natalia are particularly good on like especially in-ring kind of trash talk promos I mean Natalia mm. we all know with Natalia she doesn't quite sound human uh, ask her <laughs> but like, yeah just talk talk over them please Tom I, it made me really miss Michael Cole and JBL do you know what? I had that exact same thought as well. That particularly during the Edge Randy match, I was like, I really wish Michael Cole was calling this. I could, like two guys who were around during the Attitude and Ruthless Aggressions eras. Why aren't they calling the, yeah. the match between Edge and Randy Orton? Because it's you know <laughs> ten, like fifteen years in the build. I don't know. Well, because it's raw. It's a raw angle. Therefore, you got to have the raw commentators do it. Adam. Good point. My fault. <laughs> Uh, the show opened with Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley with uh, this was an excellent match really good. really really enjoyed this uh, Flair kicked out of the Riptide um, and Charlotte tapped out Ripley with this sort of like really very high bridging figure eight and it was back and forth action it made Ripley look like an absolute superstar and do you know what I mean I may get some heat for this but I do think Charlotte winning the title was the right call yeah me too I, this is the kind of um, this is the biggest backlash I've seen to to something mm. to something that I think is good. This is what I've got a lot of kind of people uh, kind of slamming me for because um, I I also think that Charlotte in NXT is a good thing. Uh, I think Charlotte's done everything she can on the main roster for now. I think Rhea's, Rhea's done everything she can in NXT. Absolutely swap swap them over, and it all that matters is that the match is good, and the match was great, genuinely like up there with Charlotte Asuka. Uh, you know, yeah. same exactly same really high bridge on the figure eight. Um, they they worked. It was even almost even better just because the sheer amount of limb work. Like the psychology in this match was so strong. Working the left knee constantly. Rhea kind of screaming her way through the pain. Not you know Charlotte can't put her away for ages, and then finally 
because Rhea's human and 23 and everyone loses sometimes, she lost in a really competitive match on the biggest stage of them all. Uh, anyone, who, anyone who uses the term burial to describe this match doesn't know what burial means. This was not a burial whatsoever. Ripley got so much out of this match. Like this, this really legitimized her, um, uh, for, I think, for a lot of people, you know, and I think this, this made her look absolutely awesome in defeat. And yeah, like Charlotte going to NXT, you know, they, they haven't beaten AEW in the ratings all year. And I think they're looking for something that can completely freshen it up. But also, like, Charlotte on Raw can't be the top star because Becky's the top star. And if Ronda comes back, that's just going to push Charlotte down even further. She could go over to SmackDown, but that's very much in sort of like the Bailey Banks wheelhouse at the moment. So, yeah, go to NXT and be the top star down there instead where you're not sort of competing against other people for that top position. Also, now, she can use her star power to uh, to elevate people like Io Shirai, Dakota Kai, Mia Yim, Shotty Blackheart. Uh, Kylie Ray, Viper. There's like a whole list of stacked talent down in NXT, in NXT UK that Charlotte can now work with, and you know, make them into even bigger stars than they already are. Yeah, I and like look at look at the Funhouse match. It, a Funhouse match, if, if anything, is a shining example of how you can get beat, but it can become part of a much bigger story in the end like i don't think this is the last time that rear and charlotte will fight like nope. i think when charlotte eventually finishes up her tour of nxt she's going to come back and what everyone's going to want to see is rear kick her ass and i think they'll do that because mm-hmm. yeah like it's all it's all just about how you lose how you use the story elements and so far yeah you've got this element of rear you know coming up against one of the greatest women wrestlers in the history of wrestling uh, and not being able to get the job done this time and how does she how does that change her i think it's fantastic yeah. i think it's fantastic really uh, absolutely the right call uh, we had Alistair Black versus Bobby Lashley then. Um, Bobby Lashley's now got new tights, so I've rebranded him the all-tightly Bobby Lashley. Uh, thank you very much. Um, thanks, Adam. And uh, Black won with the Black Mass out of nowhere because Bobby had the match won effectively when he was about to hit the Dominator. And then Lana from the outside said, no, do a spear. <laughs> and so uh, Bobby Lashley was like, sounds good. Put him down, went to do a spear. And Alistair gave him the Black Mass and pinned him. Lana really upset that her hero Goldberg lost last night. So. <laughs> that was really dumb, really contrived. It was fine. It was a match that happened. All I'm now looking forward to is... Um, <laughs> Like I said on Twitter, Lashley and Lana's slow motion empty arena divorce. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, effectively, I mean, I think it's quite clear this was supposed to be Rusev versus Lashley uh, and sort of like end that storyline. But Rusev, I don't think he's re-signing, and if he's not re-signing, he's not getting that WrestleMania card. So Alistair Black gets that position instead. Yeah. Uh, it was what it was. Um, we had a Kayla Braxton interview with Bailey, uh, and then they advertised that Money in the Bank is happening on May 10th. Not in a building with people, it's not. That's right. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I. Well, look, we saw the triple threat ladder match. It can work. Uh, I just... And with even more moving parts, I think, like with more people, like eight men in the ring or seven or whatever, then, yeah, I think it will probably be fine. But... Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be weird. I wonder if it'll be like. I wonder if it'll be like that. Do you remember the the Money in the Bank match that they did, and they had like a lot of the top guys. I think they had like Cena and Randy Orton in there, and effectively it was a match where people were trying not to take bumps. It was just like actively avoiding the ladders. <laughs> no, I haven't seen. It. Which one was that one? <laughs> I can't remember what it was, but anytime you watch Randy Orton in a ladder match, he is actively avoiding taking bumps on ladders, oh. and it's just like, nope, I'm just gonna land on my feet and walk away from you now. Right, his shoulders are made of glass. <laughs> so. <laughs> 
uh, Gronk cut a promo saying that he was going to be the 24-7 champion by the end of the tonight. So, And he was. Hot start for the Gronk. Uh, and then we got what I'm sure was your favorite match of the night, which was Otis versus Dolph Ziggler. It's Dolph Ziggler's first WrestleMania singles match, and he's been with that company for about 120 years at this point. Uh, this was the most amazing video package I've ever seen, and I loved this match. I loved this story. I loved this finish. I loved everything about it. What did you think, Adam? Uh, I liked Dolph's kind of Streets of Rage uh, outfit when he came out. That was he. He he gets worse every time. Uh, I I like Otis is not for me. I don't find him particularly charming, uh, but I recognise that they took all of the story elements that they'd set up and paid them all off. So, yeah, that works. It's a, sto- it's a story with a beginning, a middle, and an end. A twist yep. that makes sense. Everyone's character motivations make sense. Uh, yeah, fine. <laughs> fine. Yeah. It's the best it could so, have been. So the uh, the end saw... Because Sonya came out with Dolph Ziggler because obviously they were in cahoots this whole time. And then towards the end, Mandy uh, comes out and she attacks Sonya Deville. She gets in the ring and low blows Dolph. And then Otis hits the caterpillar for the win and he picks up Mandy Rose. And as Michael Cole said, he won the match and the girl. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hearing it coming out of Michael Cole as well. At least JBL didn't say it. <laughs> it was a sweaty old kiss that as well oh it was <laughs> it was very much a kind of a um school play like we don't quite know how to uh, but i'm not o- i'm not opening my mouth you're getting pressed closed <laughs> lips otis that's what you're getting <laughs> it was like she did kiss him and then was like oh god he's much sweatier than i thought he would be <laughs> uh right then we got um I, I said in my in case you missed a video that this was probably going to be the most contentious match of the night in terms of opinions and that was Edge versus Randy Orton in their last man standing match and I would say that this match was very very good I thought the emotion was really it felt real I thought the ending was particularly brilliant with uh, Edge doing the concerto onto Randy Orton on top of that trailer with tears streaming down his face as he was like conflicted about what he was going to do this felt like a real fight it just went far too long. It was 36 minutes and it didn't need to be 36 minutes. Mm. It was, it's every Triple H WrestleMania match. You don't need to go, you're not a carder. You don't need to go 40 minutes and I don't think you can really do 40 minutes. If you just shaved 20 minutes off this, even if you shaved 10 minutes off this, I think it would have been a much, much better match. It's almost exactly um, where you can you can make the the cuts as well. Like I thought the stuff in the gym was fun because that's making the most of where you are. But like, mm-hmm. who cares about an office? Who cares about a desk? A, a white, you know, oh, there's a white corridor. They spent so long in that corridor. Um, they, there wasn't any kind of like signature spots or even like at the beginning when like Randy was talking, like you did this to yourself and, and stuff like all of that stuff made the beginning of the match feel really good. And I was really invested. It was like, yeah, this, oh, this is like a weird play that I'm watching. Uh, and then there were no kind of developments on that. They, they didn't even trash talk each other much as they were doing the walk and brawl from the gym to the backstage area. And they should have just gone mm. from the gym, cut all of that stuff backstage, the office, cut the stuff like by the cameras um and then just gone straight to the backstage area just do the just go to just get to the truck as soon as you can 
Um, yeah, I, I think it's a shame because I, I think some people are really going to fixate on how boring the middle was, and it was because nothing really happened. Like there wasn't even a like there wasn't even like an actual memorable spot for about ten minutes, which is a long time. Yeah, there's only so many times you can watch people be thrown into something and a referee counts to ten before it becomes too much. Yeah, and did you see that yeah. Edge did a swear? You must have been very, very upset about that, Luke. <laughs> well, I was just hoping it didn't come through on my microphone and get us demonetized by the YouTube lords that be. Um, but yeah, I, I, I thought, as I said, what I really liked about this, I'm going to try and focus on the positives. What I really liked about this was the emotion and the drama and the level of intensity that these two uh, had against each other. I, I really, really liked that. And, you know, for Edge's comeback match, I thought the finale was fantastic. I thought that he, him standing tall and hitting the concerto on Randy, which, you know, started all of this, was it all coming full circle. And that was really, really nice. Yeah, I thought it was, uh, I th- they kept it simple, um, just focused on the two of them, which actually I think is the right call. Um, yeah. I thought because they, they played up so much of Beth in the video package, I was sure she was going to get involved in some way. But they chose not to do that. And like, uh, yeah, because I, I think it made that, yeah, the ending a lot more intimate. Um just yeah just that the final crack of the steel um yeah i i thought it was a shame they showed a colossal like inhumanly big ladder and didn't do anything <laughs> with it but i think was there someone on that ladder i, I i've heard people say there might have been a cameraman on it mm-hmm. but like i tell you what i'm not being that camera operator balls to that mate standing there on a rickety old ladder with a big sort of camera on your shoulder balls to that lad there was uh because there, there was that huge ladder and then there was also like a table with crisps on it and i thought oh someone's gonna go through those crisps uh and they didn't <laughs> no one went through the crisps which is or chips as uh as our audience might know them yeah i, I thought yeah so really that's our biggest disappointment of the night no one went through the chips yeah uh, I liked it. I like uh, Edge doing his like I've learnt parkour in the nine years I'm away, <laughs> like a dad, you know, just like yeah. Uh, when he did like a weird little spider monkey thing off the roof of that office and then dropped a very sh- short elbow onto Randy, it's just like yeah, that didn't that didn't look as good as you thought it was going to, huh? And the the, the crotch slam that he did off the uh, the gym uh, equipment, <laughs> just swinging. Here is my penis. <laughs> um yeah like a shame a shame but uh, i definitely think it's like worthy of edge and this feud i think that ending yeah like again more of a moment than a match i guess yeah i also felt mad uncomfortable when they were strangling each other in uh with gym equipment being we're sort of two weeks removed from that dark side of the ring documentary yes yeah yes what also made me uncomfortable was Mojo getting beaten up by a load of random lads. I don't know who any of these people were. Uh, and then the Gronk did a dive and he pinned Mojo Rawley and he's the 24-7 champion. Yeah, and no one got it back off him before it ended. So he's coming back. Or Oh, yeah. Well, he's signed, isn't he? So he's like, he's the 24-7 guy now. Oh, God, I've forgotten he'd signed. Thanks, Luke. <laughs> thanks You're for, welcome, thanks mate. for reminding me. Uh, yeah, the Gronk. We actually had a, uh, a mailbag question come in on our Friday show, which I thought was very interesting, which is, do you think that WWE have signed the Gronk with sort of like the... It's, so it's not just for WWE, it's also an XFL thing. Oh, because okay. Because you could have 
either the Gronk be a pundit or could you coax him out of retirement and become a player for one of the XFL teams? Didn't even know he was retired. Don't don't know who he plays <laughs> for. All I know is that he annoys me. <laughs> he is awful. Um, then we had Street Profits versus Austin Theory and Angel Garza in a five-minute TV match, which the Profits won. And then the Heels were beating down the Profits afterwards when who should make the save but Bianca Belair? Yay. Which in what I what I think was like an NXT call-up because she felt like she was now part of this act. This wasn't just like a little cute moment. This, this could be building to a six-man, you know, possibly even on uh, Raw tonight. Maybe. Uh, I, I, I hope it isn't. I, ho- I hope that she's got a bit more NXT left in her. I know that she's lost on TakeOver like twice now in a singles match, but I do think her story with Charlotte's not over. I, I think she'd mm-hmm. be a really good first, um, first, or maybe even last person for her but i would also understand if if you put bianca with the street profits i think it's diluting her a little bit i think she's a little bit better than the street profits i think the street profits are fine (laughs) i think montez ford is fantastic uh and obviously their relationship is the key to all of this but um yeah like it's yeah i seeing bianca was a genuine highlight of wrestlemania she's so great (laughs) Yeah, uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Montez Ford is a future WWE champion. Uh, someone who certainly won't be, though, is Titus O'Neil, who randomly took over the hosting duties. He just said, hey, WrestleMania needs a host. I'm like, A, no, it doesn't. B, why is it you? And and then, so what was the purpose of Titus? Why was he here? Well, I think they like him, obviously. Like, he's, because <laughs> he's, he is, gen- he's, <laughs> Yeah, for as much as we make fun of him, he's he's probably one of the nicest people on their roster. Oh, he's lovely. Like he's, he's a properly nice it's guy. It's good to see him get paid to do something. And there's nothing else you. Could, I'm not. You're not going to pay to see him wrestle. Um, so yeah, I guess like I I thought his his reaction after the funhouse was funny. I don't think it ruined the funhouse. I thought it was just like yeah, okay. Titus Titus is a sort of like backstage guy like I, he, I he'd be better than byron on commentary so yeah yeah if, the, if this is if this is them kind of segueing titus into something more of that role i think that's a lot better for him but also maybe it was just uh, a random thing because he, he's not sick and so they so they could get him on the show uh, then we've got the five-way elimination match for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Bailey versus Sasha Banks versus Lacey Evans versus Naomi versus Tamina with, as you said, the all-important moment of Team Bad reuniting the show. for a fleeting moment. Highlight of the show. Um, Highlight of the weekend. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, as I sort of predicted, everyone would gang up on Tamina to pin her, uh, which actually came later than I thought it would do. Uh, I thought it would be like the very first thing they did in this match. Um and then we got Naomi uh, eliminated from the bank statement. Then ba- Bailey accidentally hit Sasha Banks. And then there was this moment where Lacey Evans went to do the women's right. And Bailey sort of like dodged out the way, told Banks to move, but then also directed the motion of the women's right to hit Sasha Banks so that Lacey could pin her while uh, Bailey watched on. Then we had the uh, New Year's Revolution 2005 spot of Triple H being just like, I could. Ha- I'm not going to. Yeah, oh, a bit tired. Oh, tired actually. Oh, ow, my Ooh. arm. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I thought it was. I thought it went a, a bit long. I, I thought. I'm, hmm. I like. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. Uh, I thought Tamina. 
<laughs> Tamina having that Thanos moment of rah. <laughs> um, obviously, unity is very important, and yeah, I, I, I don't dislike the amount of time they gave to Lacey Evans. Obviously, I think they they see something in her. Um, and I, America, I like the kind of. <laughs> Yeah, it's everything to sal- you. I have to salute. Challenging, channeling all of my mother powers into. I like, I like the trash talking that Bailey and Sasha did. Like, hey, mom, hey, you're a mother. How's it, how's it like having kids, you idiot? Come on, mo- what a on, stupid mom. thing to do. <laughs> you idiot. Uh, I, I thought it was interesting that they didn't have. Um, Sasha and Bailey be the final two, so they completely avoid them coming to blows. Um, obviously, uh, they're still on the same page. Sasha looking at the belt, handing it over. It's all very Batista Triple H, and I really dig it. And I think if they can stretch it to SummerSlam five years after Takeover Brooklyn, there it is. Uh, that's yeah. I'm do it, please, and please let the world yeah. be better by then, so we can see it in front of a crowd. That's what I figured. When we were doing our predictions, I, I, I thought they were going to head to Bailey Banks at SummerSlam. That, that's the match you want to see. Like, that's what we're all building to. You don't do the split in this five-way. You tease the split in this five-way, and then you build to the singles match at SummerSlam. So I was really, really happy with the, the finish of this. I, I thought it was a, a fine little match, actually. And Banks helped Bailey win in the end by giving um, Lacey Evans the backstabber so that uh, Bailey could do her inverted DDT thing. Perfectly fine stuff. Mm. Uh, then we've got the John Cena Fiend Firefly Funhouse match, which we talked about at the start of this show. It was excellent. Absolutely. I'm, I'm probably going to watch it again uh, once we finish this call yeah. because it was that. It was just so good. So, so good. Uh, and then we had our main event of Drew McIntyre versus Brock Lesnar, a.k.a. Spam the Finish Button. Yay! Uh, stored up all those finishes. Uh, but I will say that one of the things I do like about the Brock Lesnar matches is that... There is always an element to it where you're like, he's going to pin someone. And it's when he hit Drew with the F5 and Drew kicked that at one. So he lifted him up and he hit a second F5 and Drew kicked that at two. And he hoisted him up and I was like, oh, he's going to reverse this one. No, he hit that third F5 and I thought, oh dear. Oh no. They're just going to pin him at this point because why the heck not, I guess. And so when Drew kicked out, it genuinely made me go like, yes, yes, come on, Drew. Kick out of it. Hit him with some claymores now. So I think that it actually worked. It worked way better than it did for Braun and Goldberg. Yeah. Because as you said at the start of this, there's more investment in this storyline because there actually has been a storyline. And uh, yeah, I, I, I actually quite enjoyed the five minutes that it went. Say what you want against the, res- uh, the main event of WrestleMania 34, which was legit really bad. But Brock winning there did set him up to be able to win at any point. And also, like, yeah, even even WrestleMania main events aren't uh, safe from something terrible happening. Um, so, yeah, I, no, I completely agree. I thought Brock was going to retain. Uh, uh, not before the match, but during the match, I was like, oh, no. He's, he's, he's hit the Claymore and it didn't do anything. And, oh, no. Yeah. Uh, he's just gonna he's just gonna hit him with you know Brock's idea of putting someone over hitting them with six F5s rather than you know one uh, I I was I was I was happy with it I thought they could have done something a little different just because that it is a very recognizable formula uh, I think if they really wanted to make drew they could have had him like ragtoll uh, Brock around a bit more like actually mm-hmm. have it be a competitive match because we know that Brock's got that in him. We've seen him wrestle for yeah. half an hour at the Rumble. We know that he's capable of of going at that 
length and i i don't know great like just because the video package is so good and again you feel for drew so much because of these terrible circumstances that you know this decades long journey he's taken to get to this point the pinnacle for literally everyone in that industry still and to have it happen in front of no fans uh it's yeah it could only have ended with him winning and uh i yeah i'm really 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 happy for him Really, really happy for him. The first British-born WWE champion uh, in history. So, hey, go us, I guess. I look at look at the English doing that. Just like if if he was if he was from England, we would say the first English-born. But one hundred percent, like Andy Murray. I was just like whenever he win, whenever he loses, he's Scottish. But whenever he wins, he's British. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, good. A British Wimbledon champion. Lovely stuff. <laughs> oh, Andy Murray, you're terrible because you're Scottish and you always lose. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I thought it was a, a fun way to close the show. Really, really happy for Drew. Couldn't have happened to a nicer guy, uh, really. He's worked so, so hard to get to this point. So very, very happy for him. Wish it could have been in front of 80,000 fans. But, you know, we are where we are and it, it is what it is. Uh, so, I yeah, I, I, thumbs up from me for that. Uh, right before we get into the rest of your super chats, let's have the all important end of season. I can't remember which season this is now. Season three or four of Wrestle League, which ran from the Rumble through to Mania. We have got our official final standings here. Um, I want to say first off, F Dolph Ziggler and F John Cena and F Braun Strowman because they were my bad picks. Uh, but in last place, once again, it's Oliver Davis with thirty-five points. That's he has come either last or second to last ever since we started Wrestle League. He's very bad at predictions. I think he just really likes dressing up and singing. I think he <laughs> like he we won't let him do it otherwise. So it's his outlet. <laughs> Uh, after that was Pete with 37 points. Then we had Andy with 40 points. Then it was Laurie with 41. Myself with 42, which can only mean with 43 points in his first Wrestle League season, the predictions winner was Adam the Blompier. So well done to you, Thank mate. Thank you, mate. Uh, yeah, I didn't drop a single match on night two. Night one was pretty bad for me, but night two, literally from, from Liv down to Drew, I got them all. Excellent. Do we do live? Uh, I did. Oh, bugger. Damn it. <laughs> Maybe that's why I didn't win then. I didn't predict that oh. one. So, uh, yeah, let's get into the rest of your Super Chats. Uh, Myron Speed said, "Rewatch the Funhouse match uh, with Luke and Laurie's reactions. Amazing. Surely Vince goes with two Night Manias going forward. It's twice as many tickets. Uh, yeah, I guess it's just, is there also twice as much rent for the venue? Who knows? I would have thought. Well, I mean, you've got to rent it twice anyway for NXT, haven't you? Uh, not a stadium. I suppose it's a smaller thing, isn't it? Yeah, I'm thinking of like when they do SummerSlam. Sorry, that's my bad. But yeah, I suppose it was, you got to do two nights of uh, of booking it, I suppose. yeah. I mean, they're, they're in it to set up. They're in there for the whole week beforehand. So maybe if they mm-hmm. just add the Saturday and they just speed up production. And I mean, I'm, I, yes, please. Shorter manias. Like this was an 100%. absolute blessing for it to be, to be, to be, to be all done at what? Half three? Oh, oh it was 
glorious, mate. Absolutely glorious. Uh, Dale Raddit, uh, I think they should use the fiend like Bala does the demon. Have him fuel Bray and make appearances every so often for certain matches. So I guess saying you don't always have the fiend come out. Oh, yeah. So you just have like Bray Wyatt do the matches and then when it really calls for it, then you bring out the fiend. And then when it really, really idea. calls for it, you bring out the funhouse. There it is. Um, Jcool Gaming 39, uh, or Jcool 39 Gaming, rather. Absolutely loved Cena versus The Fiend, and just want to say, love you guys and your channel. Keep up the awesomely consistent consistency. P.S. Uh, stay safe. Yes, everyone, uh, make sure you've all washed your hands. Uh, Adam did an excellent PSA about this over on our Instagram to tell you all to wash your hands to an excellent bit of music choice, oh, mate. Thank you, mate. Uh, that took way, that took way longer to edit than I thought it would. <laughs> Everyone else just did theirs with music in the background. They just like played it on their iPad or whatever. Adam's like, no, 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 I'm going to edit this. I'm your Wrestle League champion. I hold myself to higher standards. (laughs) Uh, Taylor says, so glad White and Cena could work together like this. Big props to Cena for allowing his career to be deconstructed in such an interesting way. Six stars. Absolutely. Uh, Daniel says, I'm still astounded by the Fiend vs. Cena match. It was a masterpiece. A single segment reignited my love of WWE, something I've been cold on for a while. Uh, Davan Rajan says, Bray to get revenge on Undertaker next, which we sort of theorize could be. Uh, Brett says, when Bray and Cena did the WCW bit, I read it as Cena is Vince's big star and its uh, competition had Hogan, both each company's golden goose. Hmm. I mean, I think there's a lot of different ways to to read it. Um, I just, yeah so clever what a clever boy what a clever boy the big uh, the bad one ryan be bad uh, the chain fist is a reference to cena hitting big show for his first u.s title win in his mania oh. match well i mean i it, it's a it could be both i mean this could be I both. Mean, in my one cena actually got hit in the head with a chain like it did in the actual <laughs> ring so yeah step off <laughs> zach uh, did you also hear John called Bray a slut? Yes, the, the line was, um, what was it? You're a slut for opportunities. You keep blowing them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, the, the, the th- Doctor of Thugonomics character was mega problematic. So I guess that's the oh, language yeah. you use. Let's not shame sex workers. Uh, CM Punk return confirmed. Did, Bray, uh, did Wyatt's time with Hardy help create this match? I don't know. I I, th- I think like Bray Bray is like he, yeah he's obviously kind of a, a a wrestling historian. I think he understands the climate of today's wrestling, and so obviously yeah, yeah. I do think there's an you know I think seeing Matt Hardy being able to do that and for it to uh, compel the fans. Obviously, even if it's not like if you even if you're not stealing, not stealing, but even if you're not borrowing like images or techniques, then just knowing that the that there is an appetite out there for this style of match of course it's gonna that's gonna light a fire under bray wyatt yeah i do think matt hardy has he's i mean there's obviously an awareness there yeah totally uh zach said in the funhouse match during the thug life part i almost uh missed john cena calling bray uh, a slut uh trenton brown uh so good we met wwe has taken full ownership of the god s of the good s word meme and wrestling fans need a new joke to make fun of wwe's bad booking Oh, the onus is on us, I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, Craig Thompson, Cena said that he would be ending the most overhyped, overvalued, overprivileged WWE star in existence. Then he disappeared at the end. Dot 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 himself. Yeah, that was. I forgot to mention that was my favorite moment of the whole thing. Ah. Is that Cena promo being turned around? That he, you know, before on SmackDown, he said, "I'm going to, uh, you know, at WrestleMania, I'm going to eliminate. We're going to eliminate the most overhyped, overprivileged star." 
and what are you actually doing? And then it just focuses in on his face as he's saying those words as, yeah, Bray Wyatt ended him. Cena effectively ended him. It was just masterful. Didn't even make that kind of, just that exact connection. Like, uh, uh, <laughs> wonderful. Uh, Jobber JJ, Titus's reaction to the fun house is mine after seeing him kiss his son. Uh, and Robert Ray said, I want Vince in a Firefly Funhouse match, please. Oh, Bray versus Vince in a Firefly Funhouse match. Surely that's the next one, just, right? Or that's the one you want to like, that's the, that's the pinnacle. We are just right like, there. yeah, we are, we are now just, all, all of the fancy booking is who's for the Boneyard matches and who's for the Funhouse matches. <laughs> Mick Foley can, Mick Foley should uh, be in the Boneyard. Vince should be in the Funhouse. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, on the subject of Edge versus Orton, Matthew Robinson says, "Love Edge versus Orton and Cena match was all great. Uh, shows were not too uh, shows were not bad for no fans. Love what you guys do, uh, keeping our spirits up." And Bradley Felter said, "I wish that Edge speared Randy off the crow's nest for the win instead of an MCU movie to get off the top of the truck." Um, yeah, maybe they. I mean, you know, everything was pre-taped. You could have done like the big spear off the uh, production truck, like through you know various tables and boxes and yeah. whatnot. Yeah, but I thought like the concerto obviously is the that is the the quiet option. That is the the reincorporation of what they've done before. So I I, I get it. I mean, I do think there like there wasn't really the biggest. Yeah, there wasn't a big big stunt. Nothing to rival uh, Owens last uh, on night one. Yeah. Um, we have also had a message from uh, this is sort of WrestleMania miscellaneous. Uh, Injection said, You can run it back with Taker and Orton, TBH. I'm not sure what that's in reference to. Uh, Anthony Williams, thank you for your very generous donation. Uh, so, you'll think the idea that WWE gives Charlotte more, Charlotte more chances to have better matches than Becky is too tinfoil hatty. Vince hates Shayna so much he gave an NXT match more time and a better finish over the main roster champion. So, this was on last night's stream. I said that it was them giving it more time was, a, it was almost like a direct shot at Shayna and and uh, some more like fuel to bury her. And I was like, I think that might be a bit too tinfoil hatty. I think it was uh, just right. that they wanted to make the Charlotte and Rhea match seem like a really big deal. And they yeah. did. Uh, that, I think that's the, the, that is the, the most damning thing about Becca and uh, Becky and Baszler. Like, yeah, you could argue that the wrong person won. Uh, you could argue uh, that, yeah, you would prefer if Becky Lynch, uh, you know, if we saw a title change there. The, the most damning thing about it is it didn't feel like a big deal. Didn't feel like a main yeah. match. That's the worst part about it. Joe Vicondi, uh, sorry, but I thought the show sucked. Funhouse was dumb at best, and Drew Lesnar should have been an actual proper match instead of finisher spamming. Mm. Um, Ken Ford said, uh, "Did the Miz go to the real Funhouse?" Wait, is the Miz uh, was sent home? He was sent home to his actual. I suppose his house is fun. If you want to call it a fun it's, house. Yeah, I th- well, I mean, if, if you've watched Miz and Miz and Misses, he's got a pretty fun house. It's got a big house. Uh, Matthew Matthew Robinson said, Luke, you did state last week that if Undertaker comes out on a motorcycle, it would be American Badass. Check your footage and eat those words. Nope, there was no Limp Bizkit. It was not the American Badass. I'm standing by that. It was just a lad named I Mark. saw someone say that apparently Kid Rock once remixed Metallica, so that is enough connective tissue. He did, so. yes. Well, it's the American Badass uh, song. Oh, is it? Is, uh, it was... Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a Metallica song they use as the... Uh, I think it's Sad But True is the, uh, the sort of the, the backing track for that song. Well, then... And look, what's your what's your problem, mate? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Did you hear Kid Rock saying <laughs> "Devil Without a Cause"? I'm going platinum. No, you did not. Oh, I... he didn't go platinum seven seven oh. times. I went platinum selling rhymes. I've done it now. I've gone and made a big mistake. <laughs> 
and I've got my words all mixed up there as well. I've got, I've got my Kid Rock's raps mixed up. Uh, Anthony Williams, um, who do you think should face Drew next for the title? I'm thinking a 3MB reunion versus Seth's faction. That could be fun. Uh, I think I think him and Seth is is great. Like that that would be really fun to watch. Uh, I can't. What are the other top? top top heels on on raw i guess like aj i don't think is quite i mean he has to he's dead now so yeah um matthew robinson again uh love the possible bianca call-up uh, she would add well to both women's divisions uh which show should you go to considering uh, without considering montez ford uh, i feel like she's at home on raw that's uh, that's the feeling i yeah get. I, I don't don't split them up like don't do that thing that wwe always does of splitting up real life couples because uh, it's just cruel <laughs> normie legion tamina mania running wild uh matthew robinson again said uh, who do you think a year from now will headline wrestlemania for both the men's and women stay safe here's some monies um i think it's almost impossible to predict at this point it's, it's always impossible to predict mania headliners uh, sort of a year ahead of time uh but i would like to see uh becky ronda too uh for the title um and yeah i could almost see them doing ripley charlotte too uh for a championship um you know with at this time with ripley overcoming yeah, absolutely like there's so much that's i i think drew will probably be in the mix somewhere because i i don't think he's going to lose steam i think he's he's got that kind of natural flair that character work that i think he can really build off this uh i wouldn't be surprised um if if, Roll- if Rollins was there, maybe Owen. Like, there's so much. Like, we've we've seen over the course of a weekend how much your stock can be raised. So who knows mm. who could just like get that little catch of lightning and be propelled? Like Kofi Kingston, for example, probably wouldn't have <laughs> exactly. guessed that at WrestleMania 33. <laughs> so. Uh, Matthew Robinson, uh, did you guys get a feel of Freddy Krueger with the Bray Wyatt, uh, with Cena overworking his arms? It was like a nightmare where the villain uses the guy's strength against them. Oh, just like breaking, like watching a wrestler break himself down by doing too much exercise, like it's genuinely, genuinely unsettling. Like this, yeah, even like mm. it was mostly funny, but there were some moments of just like, ugh, uh, in that farmhouse. Yeah. Yeah, I like actually. That's quite a good comparison of Freddy Krueger. It's very like sort of late latter day uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Mm. Uh, each 96 can we give credit to Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy for the final deletion otherwise we wouldn't have got the Boneyard or the Firefly Funhouse possible I, difficult to say mm. but like I I think that the, the only people from whom Matt Hardy needs um, kind of acknowledgement he has it uh, like, ev- like yeah. everyone is just like saying Matt Hardy you are the pioneer of this style I don't think he needs WWE to come out and say anything because Matt Hardy is secure enough in his own um well his his own legacy really here's another interesting one uh, from jordan during the match bray said i was the color red in a world of black and white the fiend's attire is black and white mostly except for his pants which are red do you think that this line uh, explains his attire sure yeah could be could absolutely he does have be. red pants Matthew McFadden, I reckon we'll get another mixed tag tournament. We could have Gaza and Vega, Braun and Bliss, Ford and Belair, Ziggler and Deville, Otis and Mandy, etc. I think someone's calling for the return of Mixed Match Challenge, which I'm pretty sure only one person in the entire world wants, and that's not even Mark Zuckerberg. I'm, I'm up for uh, the Mixed was... Match Challenge. Oh, because oh, it's all on Facebook. Yeah, screw that. But like, yeah. no, I, if, if it was a network exclusive, I'd be, I'd be mega up for that. Cruiserweight Classic. Can we have another one of those, please? Because I, I re-watched that because I was just doing a list about uh, Gargano and Champa. And God, the Cruiserweight Classic was great. Let's ha- God, it was so much fun. Let's have another it? one of those. 
Uh, all of these things that uh, you could film, uh, actually, well, without a stay-at-home order, but like, there's so much like of weird stuff that WWE could do now in the in the next kind of few months. I really hope they can, can I, visit yeah. it. Sorry, go on. So I was going to say, can I ask you to do a little bit of research for me? Because uh, Isa Dumbeat has said, what about that tweet Nakamura has sent out? So can you get, to, get up onto Twitter and see what old uh, Shinsuke Nakamura has been tweeting? Shinsuke uh, just, uh Logan Heath says, first Super Chat, more to come. Love you both. Thank you very much, <gasps> oh, Logan, for your very, very kind words. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura oh. has simply tweeted three words. Let me in. <gasps> oh. He wants to be part of the Firefly Funhouse. Up for it. I'm up for it. <laughs> up for it. Up for it. Uh, William Buner, uh, happy with WrestleMania, but WrestleTalk put it over the top. Thank you, Adam, Pete, and your peasants. Um, uh, and Matthew Robinson said, what are the future plans for the live chats or shows without live content to review for WrestleTalk? Well, um, if there are no more shows... But we don't know because apparently the report is that WWE are just going to ignore the regulations that are being secret set in place. locations. <laughs> exactly, you can't find us if it's a secret. It's <laughs> <laughs> so that uh, that meme is that they can't stop us if they don't know where we are. Um, so yeah, so if there are no more shows, what we the plan that we had talked about was we would do like fan polls of retro episodes of Raw uh, or even Nitro, and uh, we'll just we'll do like weekly reviews of those instead. So, you know, we'll, we'll, it, we'll, we're taking it day by day. We'll see what happens when it happens. Um, but from what we understand, uh, AEW have taped up until double or nothing. So at least we've got AEW's weekly television to still review. Um, we just don't know with WWE at the moment. Uh, Armo says, do you guys currently have any job openings? I don't think so. Certainly not in the uh, YouTube team. But get in touch with uh, Andy at WrestleTalk.com and see if there's any openings for the website. Uh, James Morris, uh, good afternoon, boys. Just popping in to say hi, and we'll read watch this later from the start. Glad I found WrestleTalk, and I can't wait for No Rolls Barred Season 2. Stay oh, safe. We all can't wait for No Rolls Barred Season 2. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, we've actually had a suggestion for uh, the next uh, a possible guest for Quizzlemania. This is from uh, Walu TV, Dan. He suggested Riley Reid. Ooh. Uh, do we think it's possible? I mean, Andy, I'll, I'll get Andy to make that, that connection. <laughs> if there's anyone who has got those sorts of connections, it would be Randy Andy Datsun. <laughs> Randy by name. Um, Kratos has forgotten son. I'm having tech issues logging in via Streamlabs, so my apologies. I just want to say thank you guys again for both nights of live streams this weekend. It was a lovely time and so much fun. Hashtag Talk for life. Thank you so, so much for watching. And speaking of Streamlabs, we had one last night that I missed from Dan, uh, who said, next feud for Edge against Rollins because Rollins tried to paralyze him a few years ago. Ah. So I think that'd be a fun SummerSlam uh, match yeah, for him. Yeah, that'd be really good. And our last message comes in from Dylan, who said, I just bought the network today to watch Cena versus The Fiend and Undertaker versus Styles. Personally, I thought that the Undertaker Styles match was better. Uh, I love The Fiend, uh, but I don't have as much of a connection to older John Cena because I'm, I've never been, uh, I was never a fan That's of fair. him. That's it, it, fair. It's definitely steeped in insider knowledge, and I think you do need to have experience, experience that anger with the Cena character and, and, go, and oh, gone yeah. through that trauma in order to get the most out of it um i which i yeah i completely understand whereas taker and aj is just b movie like no frills let's just do something silly don't need any knowledge or like all you get all you need to know about the undertaker is he arrives on a motorbike and has a bandana but 
hopefully to Limp Bizkit. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's all we've got time for on this edition of the show. Thank you very much for all joining us today. Uh, it's a, still a busy old week here at WrestleTalk HQ and our various different HQs. We're going to be back with the Raw After WrestleMania review tomorrow. It's Quizzlemania on Wednesday with our first guest. It's, on, it's a new weekly show hey. now. Uh, can, you add, can you, Adam and Eve, I, Adam, that it's become a weekly yay, show? I'll just get, get back to Photoshopping. Don't worry about me. You're, but you're so good at the Photoshopping, Adam. <laughs> um, and then we've got the AEW and NXT reviews. NXT's going to be a big one this week. It's essentially the TakeOver show. Uh, and that'll be on Thursday. And we'll have the magazine show on Friday. Smackdown on Saturday. Hey, there's so much content. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.